Welcome to the Turkey Hunting USA podcast, covering anything and everything wild turkey with your co-hosts, Billy Barnett and Matthew Myers. The Turkey Hunting USA podcast is presented by Van Meter and Sun Lures, makers of high quality deer and predator lures and trapping baits since 2007. Your one-stop shop for 100% pure, fresh urines and ingredients, quality over quantity. Like them on Facebook at Van Meter and Sun Lures. And now for this week's show. Episode four of the Turkey Hunting USA podcast. I am your co-host, Matthew Myers, and I'm joined by fellow co-host, Billy Barnett. How you doing, Billy? Hey, doing good, Matt. How you doing? Well, we're here for another week, man, here to talk about it, and uh, we'll have a new guest, so we're moving right along. Um, what's been going on on uh, your end with uh, turkey hunting or turkey hunting USA? I mean, we've been keeping pretty busy. Yeah, it's been pretty hectic uh, the last few weeks. Um, got a lot of stuff coming in. Um, it's been a pretty busy week. Uh, my uh, Osceola shirts, they've they've arrived. Uh, I was taking pre-orders on those at first, and now they're here, and I'm able to ship those out. already shipped a bunch of them out. Uh, there's several pre-orders on those. Um, also got a bunch of hats that came in. Um, yes, we've released our calls. We've got all the Grand Slam calls up on the website and sold several of those. Thank you for everybody that's uh, purchased Absolutely. those. Uh, it, there's several new items on the website. So if you go over and check it out, uh, everything should be available on there. Uh, you know, we, we did run out of, uh, I think it was the bat wings, uh, but we've got some more of those in stock now. So, uh, should have everything pretty much stocked up and, uh, ready to ship. So. Well, I'm making them as fast as I can, and it's a good thing to see that uh, they're going out of stock. So that means people are buying, and we, we greatly appreciate that. And, yeah, for real, man, the website, I was on there checking some stuff out the other day, and shoot, you got about everything on there but a turkey. So um, a lot yeah. of a lot of uh, merchandise, <laughs> apparel, calls, uh, the hats are awesome. And our turkey calls, we've uh, – We've actually got those out in some local stores, so that's really cool that people are giving us an opportunity to put them out for others to see, and uh, we greatly appreciate that. Yeah, we'll be uh, adding a, a list of all the stores that are carrying the Turkey Hunt USA merchandise. Uh, we'll have that on the website, so if you want to buy locally, uh, you can go on there and check it out, and you'll be able to scroll through each state. Uh find your state and see who's who's selling what and uh, also uh, since it's Tuesday uh, the last day of the month January 31st this will be the last day that you can go to the Turkey Hunting USA website if you scroll all the way to the bottom there's a subscribe uh, section at the bottom and this will be the last day that we're doing that for um, we're going to put everybody that subscribes in a drawing <clears throat> For either a, uh, you get your choice of a mouth call, or you get a uh, turkey hunting USA hat. You can pick whatever whatever you want. So uh, today is the last last day for that. So be sure and subscribe on that uh, and get in the drawing. Yeah, and I, I saw Billy. You uh, sent me some photos over the weekend. You got 
you got your DPs, your dog proofs out and got those set as I did too. I typically try to do that on the weekends and got me a, a couple coons and look like you had some success also. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to do what I can. Um, uh, just have to, I'm pretty much a weekend warrior right now. Just have so much going on. It's hard to get out and tr- check them and, uh, but just trying to do what I can when I can. Well, that's all we can do, man. And, uh, I've really enjoyed doing that this year and I'd like to add to my traps in the off season. I say off season, I guess off season for trapping would be during Turkey season and through some of the summer months, but try to build on a little bit more and, and have some more to set, but shoot with, with what I've got, it's been a great time and hopefully it's, it's, uh, well, it's definitely not hurting anything. So I look forward to continuing that, man. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing I'd like to mention too, I forgot to add um, on the uh, turkey calls, the mouth calls that we've got up. Uh, we've also added videos to those. You've you've made some videos on uh, running those calls. You, that way, people can go on there and hear what they're you know, uh, listen to them, see what they sound like, and you kind of describe, uh, go over a few things about them. So uh, those are up on the website and on the Facebook page too. We've introduced those. So uh, and also on the YouTube channel. Uh, I forgot about that. They're on there too. So three different ways you can check them out and uh, that might be beneficial for somebody that doesn't really know which cut of uh, which mouth call they actually want which cut so you can actually hear them uh, you know you're running them and and uh, they sound really good so yeah and that's important for somebody to find the right call and if you're someone that maybe you don't know for sure you're you know you're more than welcome to to reach out and leave a message and uh, we'll get back to you with any kind of information that that we can give you from our end as to what might work best for you or any any details that we can give out about the calls. So we're more than happy to help. Um, and and speaking of the calls too, last weekend I was able to go participate in my second competitive turkey calling contest. That was a lot of fun. It was a a bigger, much bigger contest than my first one. Um, both of which were sanctioned by the NWTF. But the one that I went to in Cincinnati, a lot more divisions, a lot more callers, and uh, some pretty big names there for, I believe it was the 16th annual. It was at the uh, Duke Energy Center. It was the Boat Sport Travel Show. So that was a good time, man. Um, felt like made some improvements from the first one. Scores were better. Felt a little bit more comfortable doing it. Um So, yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing that when I can, and it makes it nice building your own calls. You can kind of make some adjustments on the sounds you're looking for. So I'm eager about that, too. It's a good time. And and you had some luck. I mean, that's the first first time you placed. Is that right? Yeah, that that, that's right. And, um, you know, as I say, it was a big contest. It wasn't anything compared to like a, you know, that people may be more familiar with with like the the grand nationals coming up at the at Nashville or anything. But most importantly, what I was looking at was when you're finished, you have the scorecards and while you have different judges here and there, you know, they may judge a little bit differently, but just basing my first competition to this past weekend's my, uh, my scores were much better and, and I felt much better after I had gotten done with, uh, with my sound. So I think just some, you know, like anything else, you get some of that, that seat time and 
trial and error and, and, and learn each time. And um, I'm eager to get to the next one, whenever that's going to be. That's the only way you're going to get better. Just keep going and practicing and learning from your mistakes. And, uh, you know, you're really good. I, 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 maybe you can teach me. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you're the one with the super slam. So whatever you're saying or whatever you're doing is working pretty darn well. Uh, now it's well, just when you, when you, when you get up on the stage to do it, it's just, man, you, it's just got to be pretty well perfect when you're going up against some other people that obviously are, are uh, are good callers and deserve to be there. So you can't have any mishaps, and you got to sound pretty dang good. And they had a they had a great crew of uh, of judges at the contest. So to see their uh, um, qualifications and and the scores that I got, that made me feel pretty good. Um, so whatever place or not, I, I was happy to see that improvement. But yeah, man. Got that going on, and our our calls pressing them out, doing some trapping, and and here we are with the podcast. And well, we've got a, a another guest this week that is uh, is a dandy. I mean, it's something that's sort of out of the box, but it's also very popular right now. Um, it's perfect timing too. I mean, right? You know, we're most people are a couple months out from turkey season right now, and everybody's kind of shifted that way i believe so you're kind of thinking about patterning shooting your gun getting it out checking everything so i think this is perfect timing to for this guest yeah and if there's anybody out there that's not not got nothing to do and isn't very busy that would be preston vanderford from iron horse gun works and that's who our guest is this week um again kind of like hunter you you may have heard a little bit about preston on uh the Penhody project with Dave Owens as he's done some things to, to his guns and um, some of the other folks, including Hunter from last week, Hunter Lemoyne. Um, Preston has uh, fixed up his gun, dolled it all up. Billy, he, he, uh, you sent him your new uh, affinity three and recently got it back. So this is a fellow that, that knows what he's doing. Um, He's in it with his brother and and some others that help, but just outstanding work. And if you go to their Facebook page, he's constantly every day pumping out pictures of guns that he's dipped, you know, guns that he's set up, worked on. And and that's what we're hoping he talks about today is what's the process going through all of it? What do you recommend? So it's not going to be just about hunting. It's going to be about your gun and, and the setups and some things that you can do and you know, the, the amount of guns that he works on, he's going to have some pretty good advice. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I decided that I was going to buy a 20 gauge, um, it's been a while since I bought a new Turkey gun. I mean, I bought that super black Eagle probably, Oh, I've probably had it 12, 15 years. And I never thought about changing guns, you know? So when I decided to buy the 20 gauge, uh, I started looking into all the options and what you could do to it. And, uh, and I called Preston, you know, and talked to him and man, he, he told me some stuff that I didn't even think about. And, uh, you know, so he, he's going to uh, hopefully talk a little bit about that kind of stuff and answer the questions that I had when I called him. So maybe, uh, you know, 
if if you bought a new gun or if even an old gun and you want to improve it for turkey hunting, uh, make some adjustments to it, customize it a little bit, uh, this is going to be a perfect show for anybody that's uh, uh, any questions about that kind of stuff. Yeah, 100%. So let's hop on over and talk to Preston and, and see what he's got to say and what all he uh, has to offer. Preston Vanderford from Iron Horse Gunworks, our guest this week. Preston, how are you, man, and and where are you? Oh, doing good. I'm I'm at my shop just chilling. Thank you all for having me over on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Where where's your shop located, Preston? Uh, we're in uh, Southern Middle Tennessee, um, little town, Loretto, Tennessee. Um, pretty pretty small town, but. Uh, you know, we got a we got a big highway that goes through here, so we get quite a few people just dropping in. I got you, cool man. Well, if you don't mind, we typically like to start off with a little bit of background. So, if you don't care, you can tell us and listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from, and well, <clears throat> I guess how you got started. Assuming you're you're a hunter, um, how you kind of got started and all that, and then we can transition over into your business and what you do. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I, I've always, you know, been hunting ever since I can remember. Um, you know, my, my dad definitely got me into it, but it was really just dove hunting and deer hunting. Uh, he wasn't much of a turkey hunter, um, mainly because he's scared of snakes and he don't get out in the springtime in the woods. Um, but you know, once, once I got, into high school and stuff, I started, you know, pretty much hunting anything that had a season for it. So that's, that's when I got into, got into turkey hunting. And then after I, after I killed my first one, you know, it was a, you know, addiction pretty much. So, um, and then, you know, as, as far as the gun work goes, you know, I've been doing that since I was a junior in high school and I'm, I'm 27 now. So I've been, I've been doing it full time for, uh, pretty good little while so you're 27 years old now you started doing that when you were in high school what i guess we can transition right now into the work that you do for those that don't know and i don't know a whole lot about you so it'll be interesting for me at least what what all type of work do you do in relation to hunting um well as far as you know the the guns in general which most of them being uh some sort of hunting gun uh we we pretty much now offer uh what i tell most of my customers if it can be done to a gun uh we offer it and um you know when we first started out it was it was basically just uh a small gun shop with uh we did minor gunsmithing work but now it's it's pretty much uh we got a full machine shop uh we do everything in-house there's very few things that we outsource you know uh, like some of the gold plating and, and stuff like that, we'll, we'll send that out. But as far as the, you know, all the choke work, uh, hydrographics, um, we pattern, you know, we'll even take the guns out and pattern them for people, um, do, do all that good stuff. We offer all that in-house. So we, we pretty much take care of all of it. Hey, uh, Preston, how, uh, if you don't mind, how did you get started in all this? Oh yeah. Um, well, uh, 
my dad, you know, he's always been, uh, had a pretty hefty gun collection. And so I've been tinkering, tinkering with guns ever since I was old enough to hold one. And, uh, probably when I was a freshman in high school, um, my, my dad, he's, he's, uh, owned a, uh, industrial epoxy flooring business for like 30, 35 years. And, he kind of wanted to veer off and, and open another uh, business, and he thought a gun shop would be, you know, a cool thing to do. So he he uh, he got his gunsmithing degree, and, of course, when we opened the shop up, I, I took right into it and started working on guns. And it, it didn't take me long before, you know, I could pretty much disassemble and reassemble any gun that come in the door. So... Uh, I, I took off into the gunsmithing pretty heavy and uh, pretty much just never looked back. You know, I'm, I still learn every day, but um, there's not really many things that that we don't, you know, take care of here. So, but, you know, I still learn every day. Your, your dad is also uh, with you there. Is there any who, who all works with you at your shop? Is is it just you and your dad or? Well, um, my dad actually, you know, he he got his gunsmithing degree and then it, it, it didn't take long and he didn't really have the time to uh, be in the gun shop much because of the flooring business. And that was, you know, that was his main main uh, income was the flooring business. So um, once I got, you know, probably a year or two out of high school, uh, I, I could pretty much run the shop myself. So, um, my dad, he don't, he don't, I mean, he's still a gunsmith, but he doesn't really work on guns anymore. Um, you know, he stops in every once in a while, but, uh, I've, I've been running the shop, uh, for about eight years full time now. Um, yeah. and then my, my little brother, he's 22. He, uh, he's been with me for about five years now and he's, you know, he's a, actually a really good gunsmith too. Um, as far as, you know, the coatings and the dipping and stuff like that, I, I take care of all that part in the machine work. Uh, but my brother, he, he pretty much handles most of the, uh, parts installation and the hot bluing and, uh, laser engraving. He's the, he's the computer guy. So, uh, he's got his certain things that he handles every day, and I got my certain things that I handle every day. And then I've got a part-time guy that works for me that, uh, you know, he does a lot of our woodwork and stuff like that because he's he's real good at uh, messing with the wood. So, mm-hmm. well, for anybody that does know you, Preston, and they're familiar with your business, um, Iron Horse Gun Works, and they follow you on Facebook, social media. It's it's easy to tell that you keep plenty busy with uh, with all the orders and different things that you all do there, which is is across the board. I mean, you guys go through and just do all kinds of detail and, and just work to to shotguns and and firearms. And, uh, did it did it just stair step and just keep growing, or what was it when you first started that really blew this thing out of the water and you you have gotten to where you are now? Because you're 27 and you're you're hitting it pretty good. So when did it really take off for you and, and how did that, how did that happen? Uh, well, uh, I would say probably the last three years has been, you know, uh, more than I would have ever imagined it to be. But, uh, for the longest time, um, well, we've been open since 2000 and 
13. So I would say up until about 2018, it was mainly just, you know, gun restorations and cleanings. And, you know, we did a lot of buying, selling and trading on used guns, stuff like that. Um, But whenever, basically, probably whenever I started kind of getting into the social media world and posting my work on, uh, you know, Tennessee turkey hunters and uh, duck duck nation places that uh, had a lot of followers, uh, social media pages. Uh, I got a pretty big following then. And I started getting a, a lot more into like the custom, um, custom duck guns and turkey guns and stuff like that. And then uh, I got hooked up with uh, Dave Owens in the Penhody project. And whenever he started, um, he, he made a YouTube video of a gun that I built for him. And whenever he did that, it was like, I mean, it was like somebody flipped a switch. I mean, we went from having you know, 30 or 40 guns sitting on the wall, uh, to be, to be worked on and dipped and whatnot. And now, you know, there, there's not a day of the year that I don't have at least 350 guns sitting in my shop to do. Wow. Three, 350 guns. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, there's certain times of the year, which this time of the year from, from about Christmas till the end of spring, we're, we normally sit on probably 400 guns and I mean, it's not like we're not doing anything. We, we put six or eight guns a day out the door <laughs> on a normal day, but 10 to 12 a day come in, a, you know, and half of those are through the mail. So, well, that's, that's no surprise with, you know, the, the following that Dave Owens has. And we talked a lot about him last week with, with Hunter. Um, it seems like anything he talks about or does me included a lot of people like to follow along with that. And I've heard him mention, mention your shop. That's probably the first time I ever did hear of you was on one of his episodes. Um, talking about sending, sending a gun to Preston or whatnot. And then he's had a couple different, uh, episodes with his Benelli's and the work that you did on those, especially the, uh, Oh, the first Benelli he had where you really went through and did all the, all the work. Oh yeah. It. Yeah, um, that, just, that gun, uh, it's, it, uh, we, when we first did it, we did it in, uh, old, old school bottomland on the stock and forearm. And, uh, and he had made a video of that gun, but the audio didn't record and he had went ahead and hunted. Uh, I think it might've been the 20, 2020 season. He hunted with it and then he brought it back in for a cleaning and, you know, he had, he had probably, took it on 500 turkey hunts since I dipped it. And he was like, you know, I think I want to change this over to uh, new bottom land and I'll, I'll make another video on it. So we redid the stocks in new bottom land and he did a video on it. So, uh, and then I've done, I think three or four for him now. So when people call me and they're like, I want my gun like Dave Owens, I have to, you know, say, well, which one and which video do you watch? Because, <laughs> You know, well, it, it could could be any of them. Yeah, and I've noticed here lately you've just been pumping them out. Like a lot of the folks that he hunts with, and um, again, kind of mentioning that with Hunter from last week, he he talked about you. You did his work, um, Hunter Lemoyne. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, y'all had awesome, him on man. here. It sounds like uh, it sounds like business is good. 
Hunter? Yeah, he was on last week. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. I was wondering which Hunter y'all were he, talking about. Yeah. 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 He he was re- he referred he said he had a gun with you and actually getting shipped back. So uh, we yeah. talked about that a little bit last week and uh, and then today I just got my gun back from you and man it turned out great um, and. Pretty much, you know, that was kind of the reason that I sent it to you. I didn't know you before I called you. Um, you know, I just saw your, you know, I saw that Dave had sent some guns to you and had some work done. And they turned out awesome. And uh, I pretty much, yeah, I, I knew, I knew mm-hmm. if Dave would send them to you, I, you know, that's where I wanted to send mine. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's almost uh, weird, like the following that Dave has because, I get, you know, anybody that calls me or messages me on Facebook, which I probably get 75, 100 Facebook messages a day of people wanting to send me guns. And I, I stress, like, please, you know, put your information in the box and tell me, you know, go into detail with everything you want done. Um, because I have a hard time keeping up. I have so many conversations a day. It's it's hard to mentally keep up with what everybody wants done. Um so that's that's why I tell people to put put detailed information in the box because uh, you know I, I'm I probably right now I have uh, probably fifty Benelli ultralights uh, all in Benelli cases so um, and and M twos and so on so it's uh it's it's hard to sometimes keep everything organized and who's is who's is what even though we you know we put tags on them and all that but I feel like if if Dave uh, brought a gun to me and got it got it pink with rainbows and a unicorn on the side of it <laughs> that's what people would want i mean it's it's Bill, billy'd be sending his back to you <laughs> yeah yeah um I, i'm not kidding i get uh oh, 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 i changed my mind i want i want what dave's got i, I get that. guns in the mail at least three days a week and it will be i'll open the box up and it'll literally have a name and a phone number and it'll the description will say Make it like Penhody Project gun, or make it like Dave Owens gun, and I'm like, man, you could have you could have went into a little bit more detail. <laughs> well, uh, you you should get Dave to just change his gun every year. You'd, yeah, you'd, yeah, that'd make yeah. Need to hire, hire you a few more employees, and you could uh, you you'd be set. Yeah, well, Preston, uh, I, your, your your business sounds like. Very similar to almost like a taxidermist. You get these animals in, your deep freezer is full, and you got to keep them tagged. And I know when I go to my taxidermist, I'm thinking, how in the world do you keep all these in order and knows whose is whose and and what to do? And how do you not just walk out in the road every day and just hope you get hit by something? Because this is pretty overwhelming. (laughs) It it, sounds like what your business is like. Super overwhelming. Yeah. it, it's you know we have a computer system so uh, we have to deal with the ATF and stuff like that so any gun that comes in here it has to be logged in by serial number name um, city state address all that stuff and then when it leaves here it has to be logged out so you know uh, as far as the computer system goes it keeps track of everything pretty pretty good but uh, the hard part is you know you can only fit so much information on these little tags and uh, most of the turkey guys that I deal with nowadays, you know, they'll they'll send me a a Benelli and it'll be new in the box, and you know they'll they'll put fifteen hundred dollars worth of work into it and have 
literally every option you could possibly do to a turkey gun. And uh, so, and, and a lot of that stuff is very fine details to it. So you got to keep in touch with them and, you know, figure out what, what optic they want and what choke thread and this and that and another. So it, it can definitely get overwhelming for sure. But, um, for example, uh, you know, if somebody wanted to uh, contact you and, you know, say they bought a new uh, Benelli M2, um, what what kind of options? I, I know I called you. You talked to me. And I appreciate you, uh, you talking with me. You talked to me for like 20 minutes the first time I talked to you and um, went over everything. But if somebody was wanting to say they bought a brand new M2, and they mm-hmm. wanted to get some work done to it for turkey hunting. What what all options do you offer for that, you know, for any turkey gun, I guess? And what what do you recommend? And, you know, can you go through some of that those options? You even have a, a, a turkey package, I believe you told me. Yeah, uh, is- yeah. Um, I've, I've kind of put, put that one together because um, there's so many things you can do to a turkey gun and, and me, myself, I, I keep it simple. You know, I don't have, I don't even shoot a red dot. Uh, I just got the old fiber optic bead. Uh, but you know, uh, we do like the turkey package, basically, uh, we'll do a dip in the Cerakote or, a, you know, some people want just the full Cerakote on the whole thing. Some people want the combo with the, the forearm and the buttstock dipped and then the Cerakote on the metal. Um, and then the, the spring kits have become real popular. People want, you know, the the stiffer recoil spraying and the trigger springs. And uh, there's basically a spring kit for, for just about any of the popular shotguns. And it, it pretty much replaces all the springs with... Uh, aftermarket spring so some of them will be heavier where they need to be some of them will be lighter like your trigger spring um so we'll basically do the paint job of their choice the spring kit uh, which includes the trigger job um and then you know a custom choke uh, i deal with uh true lock chokes and some toy chokes as of right now because uh, you know those two companies they pretty much offer anything you could want in a in a turkey choke um and that you know that's pretty and then the some toy mount of course um and some people they don't want to drill their gun so we'll go with like a, a meadow creek mount that mounts out on the rib uh, and then a, a red dot of their choice. And that, that's kind of what I call the turkey package, but it's, you know, each individual gun will be a little bit different depending on, you know, some people want a Burris, some people want a Vortex. So the price can vary a, a little bit depending on, you know, what optic you go with and choke and stuff like that. As, uh, as far as doing the camo dipping and stuff, that's, you know, everybody wants all kinds of different patterns now what mm-hmm. what patterns can you do what do you offer uh I, I when people ask me that i pretty much tell them uh if you can think it i can i can put it on your gun uh because you know a lot of people when they think the hydro dipping or camo dipping they they just think camouflage but there's there's literally um any kind of pattern out there that you could possibly imagine from you know wood i can make plastic look look like wood grain uh, and it looks extremely realistic uh you know carbon fibers um there's there's literally anything uh, under the moon that you could think of we can we can put it on your gun uh, other than like the sitka camo 
um, that's a camo that is you got to have a specific license to get that. I think the only person in the United States that has that that's uh, dips for the public is Rob Roberts out of Arkansas. Um, but I don't really get a whole lot of a whole lot of people want that camo. A couple duck hunters every once in a while, but they they'll end up going with uh, mossy oak if you know if I can't offer the Sitka. So it's it's pretty much endless to what we can do as far as the patterns go. Got it. Um, it, as far as uh, I, I guess I'll just mention a couple things you did to my gun um, you uh, chopped the barrel off for me I had a 26 inch barrel and I wanted to shorten it up so you uh, can can you just tell the, a quick process of what you did with that <clears throat> yeah so uh, on your gun it, you know since it was already threaded but it was a uh, uh, what was that a, a mobile choke is that what it had on it or did it have the Creo uh, it's the Affinity 3, so that would be the, uh, I guess, the mobile. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's what they, they run on those. But <clears throat> most of the new shotguns nowadays, they have what they call a backboard choke system. So if you look down the barrel on most of your new guns, you'll notice the last three or four inches is kind of swelled out or it's a little bit fatter than the rest of your barrel. So once you chop that section off... Um, you can't go back with a backboard choke. Um, so you have to run a standard choke choke thread in it, which uh, is is like a Rem- Remington choke or Winchester choke. Uh, they got one called True Choke, which is uh, becoming pretty popular. But uh, basically, we, you know, we'll just chop the barrel off where, where it needs to be chopped at. And then I'll chuck it up in the lathe and... We'll, we'll true it up and everything, and we'll uh, run a reamer in it. And, you know, each reamer is specific to uh, each thread. So we'll, we'll ream the barrel, which basically that's uh, opening the inside of the barrel out to the size it needs to be to accept the threads. And then uh, uh, we'll, we'll run a tap in it after that. And it's basically like drilling and tapping a, a hole in a, in a receiver for a, a scope based screw. It's just inside of your barrel. So and you, you actually put a, a video on your Facebook page of, I believe it was my gun that you were doing that to. Is that it, right? It was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to share uh, the process with everybody on how I do things, you know, other, other than a few things that I kind of keep trade secret that, that I do. But as far as the, you know, that stuff, I, I thought, you know, a lot of people might like to watch that because it, it is a pretty neat process uh, if you've never, never seen it done before. Um, I watch your page daily just to see what you're doing. You know, it's neat to see different ideas and, you know, uh, people come up with some pretty cool <clears throat> stuff on these guns, you know. So uh, it's pretty neat you, to see what everybody else is doing with their guns. Yeah, and I, I try to post daily um, on, on, on most of my jobs that I do, but, you know, there there's uh, every day we do numerous jobs that I don't post. Like, you know, I mean, if we if we put a new spring in, in a revolver and clean it, you know, I, I'm not going to post that because to me that's kind of boring. Uh, we, we do a lot of little you know, parts replacements and, and things like that. That's just that I don't post because it's, it's not, uh, 
not very interesting. But as far as all the, you know, the turkey gun builds and stuff that looks looks cool that we've done paint jobs and Cerakote jobs and stuff on, I, I try to post most of that. Um, you know, every once in a while there's something that somebody will come in that they just want something really crazy done on their gun that I, I personally think looks absolutely horrible but that's what they want so if they're gonna if they're gonna pay me to do it I, i'm gonna do it but there is has been jobs that i didn't post because i'm like man i'm i'm kind of ashamed that i did this but if that's what they want you know i'll do it yeah, yeah. So. um well one other thing that you did on this gun for me is you adjusted the trigger and uh, that's the trigger pull on it. And uh, you want to just tell, because honestly, I didn't really even think about it when I, my previous gun that I hunted with, yeah. I mean, I just hunted with it the way it came from the factory. I didn't even think about adjusting the trigger. So uh, you might, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So on the, on the trigger jobs, um, <clears throat> you know, we do trigger jobs on pretty much any gun out there. Um as far as the semi-automatic shotguns goes, uh, specifically the, the Benelli platform, which the, the Franke, like you got, it's a basically identical trigger assembly to the Benelli M2. Um, you can only, you can't get real crazy with the, the trigger pull reduction um, just because the pieces in there that, that you have to polish and the springs that you change out to make it a lot are and more uh, basically taking the creep out of it. Um, if you if you got that down to like what you would feel on a bolt action rifle, like a like a one pound trigger, uh, then it would basically become a fully automatic uh, shotgun. So you you can only go so far on the semi autos. If it was a single shot or you know bolt action stuff, you can get you can get the trigger extremely light and it still be safe at the same time, just, just because of the way that it's, uh, that it works. But, you know, on the Benelli's and Franke's and stuff, I think most of the time from the factory, they're about a seven to seven and a half pound pull and they've got quite a bit of creep in them. Um, and each gun, you know, it's going to be mixed results. You're not going to get the exact same result on every gun that you do. Um, but, Typically, we can reduce that weight by about forty to fifty percent. So, wow. you know, you know, a seven and a half pound trigger pull, we, we'll get it down to three and a half to four pounds, which is, you know, much better than what you started That's with. Huge. But some people come in and they, you know, they got a Timney trigger in their Remington seven hundred that's set on one pound, and they think that they can get a Benelli trigger like that, and you just you just can't do that. So, well, yeah, uh, Preston, I shoot, what? I shoot both the, uh, Franke affinity and I've got a Benelli M2. And as you were describing with the pool, I, I noticed <laughs> that with mine, you gotta, you gotta pull back on it a little ways. And at times it may take you by surprise a little bit when it's actually going to, when it's going to fire. Um, I think that'd be some, something that I would be interested in having done to both of them or, or maybe just my M2, which I got recently, um, lightening that up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a big deal on those, on those guns. It's basically a, a couple spring replacements and then, uh, we, we polish the machine marks out of it and that's pretty much all there is to do on those. 
before. I, I had another question about the uh, barrel, and I forgot to ask this. Yeah. Um, and I've had several people <clears throat> ask me about this when I tell them I'm having my barrel cut cut down. Everybody says, "Well, how short are you going?" And I just kind of picked out a, uh, you know, I kind of what I did. I got a measuring tape out and kind of put a piece of uh, masking tape where I thought, you know, and you did tell me it had to be cut off at a rib. Uh, or at a saddle, I guess. So I marked a saddle that I wanted it cut off or to look at, looked at it with the tape because I wanted to be mm-hmm. still kind of proportional looking. Um, you know, I, I, I still like the, uh, you know, I want it to look good. You know, I don't want a little bitty barrel sticking out of a big stock and all yeah. that. So um, <clears throat> what if what is the shortest that you can cut a barrel down to? On a shotgun, so, uh, on a shotgun, um, according to the ATF rules, yeah, the overall length has to be the overall length of the entire gun has to be twenty six inches, um, regardless of your barrel length. So, uh, but on top of the twenty six inches, the minimum barrel length is eighteen inches. So, uh, if you chop your barrel off to eighteen inches, but your overall length of your gun is under twenty six inches. Uh, it's still considered a, shot, a short-barreled shotgun. Um, it, if you've got a, you know, a twenty-inch barrel, and you're and you've chopped the stock off, you know, to make like a pistol grip or whatever. If the overall length is under twenty-six, it's it's mm-hmm. short-barreled shotgun. So, a lot of the guys, you know, I'm, I get guys that come in here and they'll get a uh, eighteen, but I is the shortest I'll cut it is about. Uh, 18 and a quarter. I like to have a quarter inch of wiggle room just because, you know, I don't want it falling back on me that, that, that I turn their gun into a felony, you know? So, um, but you know, a lot the popular length is 19 to 20 or 19 to 22 inches. Uh, that, that seems to be what most people want to go with on the, on the Turkey guns. And and that's plenty short enough. I mean, I th- you went with twenty one on mine, and I mean, it looks good. It doesn't look, uh, you know, like it's lopsided. You know, if you're looking yeah. at the gun, and uh, what what about the pattern and stuff? I, me and you <clears> talked <throat> about that a little bit. And there's a lot of people that say, you know, I've heard people say, "Man, I've cut mine down to eighteen, and it shoots better. It patterns better." Um, is there any truth to that? I mean, you you probably know more about it than anybody. <clears throat> uh, patterning better I, I wouldn't say that but as far as the pattern itself goes i i personally haven't seen any uh harm done in the pattern uh it i don't think it made it better but uh the main thing is the velocity i mean you are going to lose a little bit of velocity with your uh shortening the barrel down like that but it's you know it's not as bad on a shotgun as it would be with like a rifle uh, with a rifle um, or a pistol, you know, you might lose, depending on the caliber and the twist and, and several different variables, you know, you, you could lose up to 75, 80 feet per second per inch that you chop off um, on on rifles and stuff. But on a shotgun, for the most part, you, you might lose 15, 20 feet per second per inch. So, you know, with today's modern loads, high velocity loads, you know, you're not losing very little velocity and it's, it's not, uh, affecting really anything. Um, as far as the pattern goes, you know, I've taken most of these guns that I build a a lot of the guys, they want, 
uh, you know, the custom choke and everything. And, and when I go out, I'll, I'll pattern their gun at 40 yards and send them a couple targets and whatnot. And I haven't seen any, uh, any downfall in the pattern uh, at all, really. Uh, I've just heard several people, you know, you hear rumors about this and that, and you don't really know what's true until you actually have tried it. And, you know, I'm, I know you've cut a lot of guns down and you would know, you know, you shot them afterwards. So uh, that's good information to know. Uh, Preston, I have, I have a question about um, as far as when you're building a gun and let's say somebody wants to throw a sight on it, let's say uh, a fast fire, some sort of red dot, you get it all mounted mm-hmm. up and you, you get the choke tube in it. Take us through your your technique and, and how you go about patterning a shotgun from, from start to finish. Walk us through that if you don't mind. <clears throat> okay. So, um, well, I'll say this, you know, most, a lot of the guns that I build, uh, you know, they're, they're for people that are pretty experienced with, uh, patterning their shotguns and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't pattern every single one of them, but a lot of the guys, you know, they're, they're kind of, new to having a red dot or new to having a somewhat custom turkey gun so you know i'll I'll go through and i'll i'll pattern it and stuff like that but basically when we mount the mount the optic we'll we'll bore sight it with a laser and uh pretty much every every one that i put a choke in i'm going to test fire it just to make sure that the uh everything with the choke threading went properly and it's not you know like going to blow the choke out the end of the barrel and stuff uh, I just like to make sure I'm the first one that puts a few rounds to it whenever we do any kind of machine work on one. Um, but what, we've got an indoor shooting range, so it's only about 17, 18 yards in there. So I'll uh, I'll take it back there in the shooting range, put a target up, and I'll shoot a couple dove loads to it and just make sure that the pattern is you know, not hitting way off to the left or the right. Just make sure it's it's concentric and it's hitting, you know, pretty much point of aim, point of impact. Uh, and and that's normally about as far as I go unless the customer wants, you know, to, to see the 40-yard patterns or if they're from out of state and they want, want to see results before I ship the gun back to them and stuff like that. And then I'll actually, I'll take it to my house and, and actually shoot it out at, you know, 40, 50 yards or whatever they, they specify that they want to see. So. Okay. And then I, a lot of that comes down to also what type of load you're going to be throwing through it. Obviously. I mean, if somebody's wanting to get a specific pattern, then you probably need to be shooting the, the type of shot that, that they're going to be firing. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you don't just get a get a eighty ninety dollar choke and screw it in, and and any any shot you shoot through it is just going to be the best pattern ever. Um, you you got to really pay attention to you know velocities, um, what shot you're shooting, what size shot you're shooting, um, because there's a different constriction that's going to perform best with every different every different shell and every different uh, shot size. So it, it can get really expensive nowadays with the, the price of tungsten shot and what everybody's shooting. You know, I mean, you might, you know, I've had guys that they'll buy every brand of tungsten ammo that that's on the shelf anywhere. And they'll buy seven or eight different, you know, 50, 60, $70 chokes. And they'll, 
just do a bunch of testing and until they find the best one. And, you know, that's one way to do it, but that's certainly an expensive way to do it when you can get on the internet and talk to people like me that do this stuff and gather a lot of information on and stuff that they've had experience with and probably weed it down to maybe one or two chokes and one or two shells versus, you know, five or six different brands of ammo. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely, a one of those things you gotta, you gotta trial and error to, to get what your specific gun likes the best. But, you know, so, some people, they don't do that. They just, you know, grab one shell, one kind of shell and a choke and it shoots halfway decent and that's good enough for them. So that's what they take to the woods. Yeah. And do you notice uh, these days with the rise in tungsten versus lead, do you do you see a difference as far as how they pattern, or do you see one of them being easier to pattern and maybe more versatile with a variety of chokes between the two of those? Uh, as far as being versatile, um, not not so much. I mean, there's plenty of chokes that shoot good with the uh, tungsten, and plenty of chokes shoot good with the uh, lead. But uh, as far as the patterning goes, you know. Obviously, when you, you know, with the tungsten, you're normally shooting a much smaller shot size than you do with lead. So you're going to get many more pellets on target, which leads to, I mean, it looks like a better pattern because there's more target or more pellets on the target. Um, But, you know, that's uh, that's not always the case. Just because you've got more more pellets coming out the barrel, that doesn't mean that you're your pattern is going to be better, you know, just because you're shooting the tungsten. It's, uh, t- to me, the reason that I shoot the tungsten is just because of the, the knockdown power that it's got. And, you know, if you have to shoot through a few bushes and stuff like that, you just got a lot more penetrating power th- than you do with the lead downrange, you know. Right, exactly. Uh, Preston, I was wanting to ask you about the, um, this is another probably common question you get, um, about barrels being ported or chokes being ported. Um, can you kind of just go over porting and what it does for your gun and, you know, whether you should yeah, get absolutely. it or not and um, all the pros and cons of that? Yeah. So have you ever seen like, you know, you got rifles that have muzzle brakes on the end or compensators. Uh, all those are is they're, they're re-diverting the gases that come out of the end of your barrel. And, um, it's kind of equalizing the force that the gases are putting back on your gun. So in return, you get a little bit, uh, a little bit of recoil reduction and with a shot, a ported shotgun choke, it, it kind of works the same way um, in a little bit different way than a muzzle brake would. But by having a ported barrel or a ported choke, um, you're giving those gases uh, a separate way to go other than straight back towards the gun. Uh, and that's that's where your recoil is coming from is the those the force of the gases being pushed out the barrel. So when you give the gases or, or you force the gases coming out of the barrel to go uh, a, a different direction, you, you're going to get um, recoil reduction from that. So that that's uh, in a nutshell. What you know, there's different things you can port stuff for, but that's the main thing that that they're used for. Is there any con to having a uh, a ported barrel or ported choke? Uh, not not that I know of. That as far as the cons go on a shotgun, um, 
I don't know of any, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that that probably has some kind of reason that that it could be a you know not a good thing. Um, but on a on a rifle, the the biggest downfall. And I haven't noticed this with a shotgun, but the sound. Uh, when you put a muzzle brake on a sh- on a rifle, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of the recoil out, but it makes it absolutely deafening loud to shoot. Um, okay. Super loud. Well, and, and two, you mentioned kind of going back here a little bit with the hydro dipping and the different designs you do. Um, I noticed the Cerakote and the distress that you can put on that, that's become very popular here lately. Like when did you start noticing people wanting the Cerakote and, and why is it, is it more durable as compared to just dipping with like a camo pattern or what's the story behind all that? So uh, as far as the, you know, the Cerakote, it's, it's a ceramic bacon finish and it's, it's like a hundred percent chemical resistant. So I'm not going to say that it's, you know, as durable as Cerakote makes it out to be because it's still a coating. You can still scratch it and wear it and stuff like that. Um, but it, it is definitely harder than the, than the dipping because the dipping is a, is basically just like the paint job on a vehicle. You've got, you know, you prep, you prep the surface and then you, you run a primer, a paint. And then on top of your paint, you've got the, the dip, which is essentially just an ink that's printed onto a film. So uh, once you dip it and you get, you rinse it all off and stuff like that, then you'll put a clear coat on it. So it's essentially just like the paint job on a vehicle, but on top of the paint and under the clear coat, you've got, you know, your pattern, whatever that may be. Uh, the Cerakote is just a single coat ceramic coating. It's what it actually is. Uh, it's powder coat pretty much. It's just in a liquid form. So when you powder coat stuff, you know, you have to electrically charge the part and then your powder is negatively charged. So it, it kind of draws to each other or, or vice versa. Um, and when you're doing little screw heads and little tiny gun parts, uh, it can be a pain in the butt to electrically charge all these little parts at one time. So, uh, I think Cerakote actually started out, uh, prismatic, prismatic powders, I think they started out as a powder coat company, um, and they found a way to spray powder coat out of a paint gun, basically, in a liquid form, but still get the same finished product. So when you Cerakote something and you bake it and it's done, I mean, you can soak it in uh, brake cleaner, you could soak it in paint stripper, you know, whatever you want, and it's not going to not going to harm it about about the only way you can get it off is to wear it off or uh, sandblast it off so, uh, with the hydro dipping you know it's it's a little bit more of uh paint paint based so you know there is certain chemicals you don't want to get on it um a lot of the clear coats that we use are chemical resistant and you know they're they're very high quality um uv resistant and stuff like that but if if you go trying to clean your gun with brake cleaner or carburetor cleaner yeah, it's pr- it's probably not going to be too great on your paint job. <laughs> Don't sound good. Yeah, notice note to self. <laughs> but I I, I I really like the look of the Cerakote and the distress finish. And right now I'm scrolling down through your uh, Facebook page, and besides the overwhelming amount of guns and and things you pump out, there's there's a lot that you do that 
are the Cerakote or the 5050? <clears throat> There's as I go through it, just one after another. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty much 50 50. Um, one thing that has become a lot more popular this past, uh, past year is the, the full distressed Cerakote jobs. Uh, when I first started doing them, it, most of the people, they just wanted like the metal done in distressed or Cerakote. But now it, it's getting to where like people are wanting the, the entire gun stock bolt forearm, everything done all in a distressed Cerakote. So, you know, that that's becoming a lot more popular. And I think it's mainly due to people wanting to kind of stray out and do something a little bit different because I'll be honest with you, uh, 90 90 percent of the guns that come in here that people want dipped they're gonna pick some sort of burnt bronze and they're gonna pick either mossy oak bottomland or mossy oak old bottomland and I, I can almost guarantee that uh every other person so a lot of the guys you know they're like well everybody's doing this i want to do something a little bit different so i think that has a little bit to do with it yeah, no doubt the uh, the mossy oak and the bottom land and all that's really really come on strong here in the last handful of years. Um, one other cool thing that I've uh, that you did to my gun, Preston, is uh, the engraving. And you know, you put the Turkey Hunting USA logo, you put the turkey on there for me, and uh, on the receiver, and then you put some turkey tracks back here on the stock. And man, it turned out great. I mean, it's just another cool way to, you know. Sure, everybody's got, you know, like you said, a lot of people use bottom land and they're, they're wanting to do something different. And uh, this is a really good way to personalize your gun. Can you put just whatever somebody wants on their words, symbols, uh, logos, whatever? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, like I said, my brother, he's the he's the laser guy. So uh, you got to be extremely computer savvy to use that laser machine because it's, it's all run off of uh, editing software and uh, different, different software programs that, that we've got. So it's a, uh, it's pretty much endless to what that laser can do. And I mean, it, it can do stuff down to the finest details that you could imagine. Um, you could, it's pretty insane how how detailed that thing will get and it it doesn't mess up unless you know you have some kind of software program that that went bad or something but uh it, it's becoming real popular uh you know like like we did on your gun the turkey tracks and the logo that's the turkey tracks are really popular a lot of guys want that on the side of their gun and then it uh it's also real popular with like knife knife blades and stuff people you know get get those case knives for people's christmas presents and they'll want to put a name on it and that the laser that's that's the perfect way to do it so um you know we can pretty much edit uh any any logo or anything that you could possibly want we can we can engrave it on your gun so uh that that's something that we added about two years ago just because uh we're trying to be a one-stop shop uh, basically anything that you could want done to your gun, we want to be able to do it all in house. Uh, so that's, that was just one more, one more thing that we could add to our arsenal to, to have, you know, to, to do for people's guns. And these engravings, I mean, you could, you can literally put them anywhere you want to on the gun. You put them on the barrel, choke, stock. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can put it on, 
uh, we have a fiber laser, which is a, it's a very powerful laser. It's the frequencies that it, that it uses to engrave with. Uh, it doesn't do very good for like organic materials. So uh, leather and glass and like, uh, you know, wood and stuff like that, it, it will engrave them, but it's a little bit too, too powerful of a machine to do uh, the organic materials. So they have other types of lasers that, that are specifically made for, you know, doing uh, leathers and, and stuff like that. So there is a few limitations on things that we can engrave, but as far as anything gun related, uh, yeah, we can, we can engrave it. This one, like the turkey, the turkey in my logo here, it's, I mean, there's some very fine detail and I really didn't think about it when I sent it to you, but I mean, I, I'm looking at, I mean, I believe I could get a magnifying glass and I can't find one you know, it looks flawless. There's not any rough edges. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, it it uh it doesn't mess up. Uh, the only thing that you can do if you're not uh, experienced with running one is there's different heat settings on it. So you know that laser that we have, it, it'll it'll cut through eighth inch titanium. So it, it may take that would probably take thirty minutes or so of burning, but we can actually slice through metal with it. So when you're doing plastics and uh, heat sensitive things, you gotta you gotta pay attention to your, to your heat settings and how uh, how quickly you're burning it and stuff because you can get a little aggressive and actually start melting stuff if you're not careful. Um, same same thing on metal. You know, if you if you're not paying attention, you could you could possibly uh, cut cut really deep into somebody's gun uh, if you kind of left it unattended and wasn't sitting there watching it so you know we, we try not to not to leave it we stay there with it and make sure that everything's going like it should well outside of your business preston and kind of talking about the hunting how involved are you with with turkey hunting and are there any other types of hunting that you do that you're avid with is there a preference <clears throat> Uh, turkey hunting is definitely my, my, my go-to, uh, you know, all the other huntings, I say, they're just something to do to pass the time till spring. Uh, I mean, I, I hunt pretty much everything there is a season for here in Tennessee. You know, I hunt it, um, I deer hunt, squirrel hunt, all that, you know, all that good stuff. But, uh, turkey hunting is by far, you know, what, what I live for uh, as far as the hunting goes. And, uh, I, I try to hunt every every single day that I have a, a free second during the spring. I'm I'm chasing a turkey somewhere or helping somebody else chase a turkey. So that's that's certainly my go-to. Okay, and at, outside of Tennessee, where I'd say you hunt the most, do you get out and do you do you travel around to turkey hunt? Do you go to some other states? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean. Um, Fortunately, my job and and dealing with many people from out of state has has gained me access to hunt other states and people invite me to, you know, hunt other states and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, any opportunity that I get to go out of state, you know, I I don't turn down any any turkey hunting opportunities for sure. So this uh, this past season, 2022, what all states did you hunt? hunt that uh, uh 2022 season. i just did uh tennessee and alabama this past season 
the year before that, we went to uh, we took a trip up to Nebraska and hunted hunted Nebraska and then uh, Tennessee. So so I don't I don't get to go out of state every single year, but um, at least every other year I'll I'll take an out of strip uh, out of out of state trip. Yeah, man, that's great with your your job and being able to go hit a couple new places ever so often. That as we talk about on the last couple episodes, um, talking more about Grand Slams and, and chasing the U.S. Slam, being able to extend your seasons out and you know and just getting to hunt a lot more. Um, and then looking here in Loretto, Tennessee, you mentioned Alabama. You're you're right, pretty close to the Alabama line. Yeah, like uh, I can I can be in Alabama in about five minutes. It's uh, we're we're wow. not very far at all from Alabama. So and and we're probably uh, I can be in Mississippi in fifty minutes to an hour, and uh, I can you know I can be in Georgia in about two hours. So it's it's a uh, I'm I'm pretty centralized here, so I can I can get to uh, several different states pretty quick. Yeah, that makes it nice to, especially during turkey season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. and when you're talking about Alabama, Mississippi, and then Tennessee, you're you're really able to lengthen your season just with those states, with how how early they come in. Obviously, there's been the changes here in the last couple of years with with those states not coming in as early, but it, that's mm-hmm. still a great way close to home to you know get get a non-resident tag and and hunt a lot longer than you would just in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, when I first started turkey hunting, you know, I mean, a couple birds in Tennessee was was good enough for me. But now that it's kind of like a a lifestyle, I, I can't get enough of it. So I I take every opportunity I can to to extend my season as long as it can go. Yeah, why do you think it does that to us for? Like I'm the same oh, way. Billy's the same, obviously the same way. <laughs> what is it, it about it? I don't know. It's you know, no other hunting has done that to me. Uh, I almost got caught up in duck hunting there for a little while, but uh, it's you know, I still go duck hunting when I when I get the opportunity to. But it's not. Uh, it it just doesn't have a hold on me like turkey hunting. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's can't describe it, man. It's it's crazy. Um, so when you step out to turkey hunt yourself, what is your typical setup? Like your your firearm and and what you run there, and is there anything else that that you have that you'd like to talk about? <clears throat> you use out in the field, man. I uh, I'm I'm a I'm pretty simple. I keep it I keep it pretty simple. I, I get uh, you know it's I've hiked many many miles. Uh, turkey hunting so I, I try not to have 50 pounds of gear stacked on me you know like I'm going on some kind of expedition I, I I've got my um my alpine uh turkey vest and I mean I I carry just a few few mouth calls which is what I run you know 95 percent of the time and uh, I got a, a slate call and a box call that that I hardly ever use unless unless need be but as far as my gun setup goes uh I shoot a Weatherby 20 gauge, uh, 90% of the time. That's, that's my go-to deal there. Uh, I've been running a, uh, a Carlson's TSS choke, uh, just because that's the first choke I tried in the gun and it shot better than, than what I was hoping for. So I, I you know, don't fix it if it ain't broke. That's, that's what I've been using. But 
this year I'm going to be going with a, uh, a Sum Toy Customs uh, 565 choke. Uh, just cause I've been shooting a 555 and that's, that's a pretty tight choke. And, uh, I missed a couple birds that were, you know, inside 20 yards. And I know it was because my pattern was just extremely tight. Uh, so I, I went, I'm going to go with a little bit more open choke this year. Um, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But as far as my gun goes, you know, I've, I've got a dip and Cerakote job on it, but I still just run the old trusty fiber optic bead because I'm extremely uh, hard on a gun and uh, I, I treat it a lot worse than it sh- should be treated. And I know if I put a red dot on it, uh, chances are I would end up end up breaking it two or three miles off in the woods and it would it would cost me a turkey hunt so i just i haven't i haven't swapped over to the red dot yet but i'm i'm sure it's coming oh i hear you man i've got a i've got a fast fire on on both of my 20 gauges and uh i'd be lying to you if i didn't say i uh i cradled it around a little bit here and there and it, it's cool they they make the little uh plastic covers that go over top of and that you can get on amazon but yeah, man, I'm uh I'm always keeping that thing pretty pretty secure. So um, they're not the cheapest thing to to tear up on your gun to replace. So I no, get they're it, certainly man. not. Um, yeah, I actually had a friend. Uh, I was talking to him today, and I was telling him about talking with you, and he had a, a question about uh, you know the Stevens four tens. You know they're very popular right now, and. Um, and yeah. He wanted to know, and this is, you know, they're extremely light, easy to pack. I mean, probably the most packable gun there is. And uh, he had the idea. Have you ever have you ever cut the barrel down on one of those and shortened the barrel? And does it affect the four ten uh, differently than a say a twelve gauge or a twenty gauge? Uh, do you need that velocity and a longer barrel? Uh, as far as the four ten goes, I mean, you know, I. I the last year or two, those have really started kind of coming into the picture. Uh, beforehand, I didn't really do anything with 410s as far as the, the turkey side of side of it went. Uh, but it becoming more and more popular and a lot more people wanting a custom 410 for turkey hunting. Um, as of right now, I only offer 12-gauge and 20-gauge uh, choke threading. But... Uh, Last week, actually, I ordered uh, I ordered my tooling for the uh, 410 Winchester Invector threads. So uh, th- they have to custom make those uh, tools. So it can take uh, six to eight weeks before I get my tooling in. But the uh, the 410, we just you know just added that to the to the tools. So I will definitely be. Uh, doing some 410 threading and choking and stuff like that uh, in the near future. So I don't, I don't see why it would be any different than a 12 gauge and 20 gauge as far as, you know, the velocities and stuff like that. But uh, I haven't, I haven't done it yet. So I I can't say, you know, for certain. Those those guns are so small and lightweight anyway. I mean, they don't even feel like you're carrying a gun around. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, extremely lightweight uh it's just you know they if they would come out with a benelli 410 a benelli m2 410 i'm sure it would be you know a super hot seller just because of the way 410 is right now but 
you know, who knows if that the 410 thing, if it'll it'll stay around forever, if it'll just be, you know, one of those things that comes and goes. But we'll we'll see how that goes. And I guess the TSS is probably the only reason that the 410 has made a comeback. I'm sure or yeah. made a made a, a showing for turkey hunting because you know, ten or fifteen years ago, nobody would ever think about taking a 410 turkey hunting. So with you know without the tss the way it, yeah. and the chokes and stuff that we got now so yeah that's that's 100 percent wise the the tungsten i mean uh beforehand you know 410s were rabbit and squirrel guns you did really nothing else so it's uh most people when you tell them you're turkey hunting with a 410 especially if they're a, a, a old timer that hasn't kept up with the the modern turkey loads and stuff like that they they think you're crazy but um that a 410 will certainly it'll certainly do the job i've i'm I'm gonna try to kill one with a 410 this year i I bought me a little over and under 410 to test out but uh, i've got several buddies who who've you know put a hurting on them with a 410 and done just fine my daughter killed one last year with a 410 and i mean it rolled it i mean it was just just like you shot it with a 12 gauge i mean Mm-hmm. pretty pretty good pretty lethal uh pretty lethal gun so um yeah you would uh, i guess what we're gonna do if, if it's okay with you uh we do our state spotlight and with you living there in tennessee if we could just roll into that and maybe uh we'll go over a few of the highlights of the regulations and uh, if you have anything you want to add to it feel free to let us know uh you know, if there's something that we don't mention that you think that would be uh, important to someone, maybe coming from out of state that wants to come to Tennessee to hunt, uh, we can talk about the different licenses and how the tagging and stuff like that works. But um, what we've looked up on the Tennessee's uh, Fish and Wildlife's website uh, for 2023, the youth season will open on April 8th and 9th, and then the general shotgun slash archery season. It opens April 15th, and it'll run through May 28th. Now, that this year, is that is probably the latest it has ever opened. Is that as far as, you know, I've hunted there for probably 15-plus 15, 15 years now, and it was always, it always came in a couple weeks, at least one week before Kentucky season. That's why I went so much, because I could start earlier. So this is actually the first year it's it actually coincides with Kentucky because it opens on April 15th. And um, so that's going to be a, a probably the biggest difference of their uh, hunting season this year. Um, also, let's see here. As far as uh, hunting license, um, they still have a seven-day hunting license, or you can buy an annual hunting license. The seven-day for a non-resident is two hundred and fourteen dollars, and the annual hunting license is three hundred and five. Now you don't have to buy tags or anything else with that. That includes everything. So if you want to do <clears throat> deer hunting in the fall, you've got those tags. If you buy the uh, full-year license, annual license, but uh, you can do it all pretty much. Is that right, Preston? Uh, I believe so. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best person to ask on that because I have I've got a lifetime hunting license. So, as far as the Tennessee stuff goes, I'm I'm pretty much okay. all covered. And I, 
I don't really keep up with all that unless there's something that's changed that I need to look into. So uh, I, I keep up with the opener opener dates and that you know and some of the regulation changes. But uh, as far as the cost, I you know I don't keep up with that. Okay. Um, one other big change, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I was always used to Tennessee having a four bird limit, and uh, you know they've reduced that now. It's only two per season in the spring, and uh, one of those only one of those can be one a Jake. So, and uh, let's see, the shooting hours uh, starts thirty minutes before sunrise to legal sunset. Um, let's see. Anything you want to add that we're missing here or that you think would be important information for somebody coming to Tennessee? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a great, a great state's turkey hunt in for sure. Um, like, like me and you were talking about earlier, the, the public land in Tennessee, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, it used to be really good, but it's it's certainly crowded with people these days. And I, I'm sure that's every state uh, because it's you know turkey hunting's gaining a huge huge following. So, um, but as far as you know, coming to Tennessee to turkey hunt, you know, just look into the the rules and regulations first. Is is all I, I would have to say. Yeah, I always uh, refer to that. It's online, and um, you can read about that. Um, there's a couple uh, interesting facts that I read over on their website. And um, from 2000, the spring season 2022, uh, they estimated 95, almost 96,000 hunters that participated in turkey hunting. Uh, in the spring so that's pretty amazing um and then just to compare it you, you know you were saying this gain in popularity and I, I believe that everywhere i've been seems like there's more and more people every year in 2021 there was about 91,000 uh hunters that participated in this spring turkey season so um They've, they've got a lot of good information on their website. Um, you can dig through all that stuff. Uh, here, they've actually got some um, hunter harvest records, and I, I commend every state that keeps up with this. Um, and I like seeing it when they put it out. It's it's beneficial to, you know, hunters want to see this information. It's kind of a, you know, we're concerned about it, you know, just as much as the biologists are, you know, and um, – so it's kind of it's kind of uh, neat when they put it on their website for everyone to see. So, uh, like in the 2022 season, uh, they estimated 48,000 turkeys total were killed last year. Uh, 41,000 were gobblers. Almost 7,000 were jakes, and there was 191 bearded hens killed last year. So that's quite a few. Kind of more than I thought. Um, 2021, they estimated uh, about 53,000 turkeys killed total. Um, that's a heck of a number. That's well, a lot of birds. Listen, listen to this. I mean, this really shocked me. Uh, 47,000, well, right at 48,000 gobblers, 5,000 jakes, and this is the one that really got me. 621 bearded hens were checked in in 2021. Yeah, I don't like it. In two thousand, 
or 2021, you said? 2021, yeah. According to their uh, turkey facts, that's what they had on there. 621 bearded hens. That's pretty amazing to me. I, did, I had no idea there was that many bearded hens harvested. Uh, I would I would guess 621 in the whole country. I can't believe it's just one state. But Yeah, and even if even like the other stat from, from last year, I, I saw, I believe it was Ohio, is upper 100s on bearded hens, and everybody has their opinions. So I'll say mine. I, I, don't, I don't like the bearded hen harvest whatsoever, especially with the – the decline we have and all that that's that's unsettling to me and if there's some changes that could be done in the future to tennessee or any other <clears> states <throat> doing away with the the bearded hen harvest i think would be a, a good start in the state that we're in right now uh, pretty much all over the country nationwide i i feel the exact same way i you know i enjoy shooting the toms you know they're the ones that are gobbling and stuff you know, that's kind of what springtime is about to me. Uh, so, but anyway, that I, I found that pretty interesting. Um, that's very one interesting. Other, yeah. One other thing I was going to uh, hit on that kind of shocked me, and um, I don't know if there's any other states out there like this, but I was looking at the uh, weapons that are allowed during the spring turkey season. And, you know, they've got the shotgun, bow, crossbow. And... Um, the shotguns using okay it says shotguns using ammunition with number four shot or smaller okay but the next thing that really uh, kind of struck me was there is no restriction on the number of rounds in a magazine now here in Kentucky we're we have to have a, a plug in our shotgun where we can we can't hold more than three shells you know just like for duck hunting uh, I'd have yeah. no idea why anybody would want to have five or six or seven shots for turkey season you can only shoot one bird a day but uh is that that did you i never did know that preston has it always been like that or as as far as i can remember uh in tennessee the only the only thing that you had to have the the shell restriction uh, of three shells was uh i believe like uh migratory birds uh you know dove duck uh things like that P- pretty much anything that that flies that you're shooting out of the sky um as far as you know rabbit squirrel turkey all that stuff i believe it's always just been you know as many as you as you wanted but like, like you said i mean <laughs> there's been times that you know i've missed a turkey three times i'm not, not proud to say that but you know if i would have had a fourth shell i might have killed it but for the most part, you know, you, you shouldn't need more than three shells to kill a turkey. No. And I'll tell you what else it'll do. Uh, if you got in the habit of taking your plug out of your gun and maybe you travel to a different state, uh, you know, I've been checked by game wardens before. Uh, you know, they'll ask you to for four shells and if they can get four of them in your gun, you're getting a ticket. So uh, yeah. I, yeah. I never I never <clears throat> take mine out. Uh, you know, I'm always... Uh, cautious of that so even like going on yeah, a, I, I leave mine in a there snow too. goose hunt or something you know out, you can, yeah it, it could get you in trouble pretty quick you, you know it'd, yeah. be, it'd be something easy to forget you'd put it back in the gun cabinet and oh absolutely you don't even think about it you might even actually only load three shells in there thinking that's in there and forgot you took it out so yeah 
but uh, Preston, you probably know better than anybody. Um, what can you go over like the tagging process? You know, I know they've changed a little bit over the years. You know, um, used to it was paper, and now they have the. Uh, uh, you can do it electronic now, and I, and I've done it a few times, but you probably have done it more recently than I have. If you could maybe cover that, yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, I, I would say probably the last four four or five years, I've uh, I downloaded the TWRA uh, app on my phone, so. You know, I, I do it uh, on my phone. You don't even have to have service. Uh, even if you're in a spot with no service, you you tag it in on the app. And whenever you uh, – it'll it'll automatically give you a confirmation number. And then when you get service, you know, it'll, it'll send it into the uh, state system or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> as far as I know, you can – there is some places that you can still go in and – you know, do it the old-fashioned way and, and tag it in in person. Um, that, that's especially around here. That I think there may be one one place in Lawrence County, maybe two that you can uh, that still is considered a tagging station. <clears throat> Pretty much uh, everybody that I know just you know does it on the app. And uh, now I, I'm not sure if it, if it's the same with turkeys, but it, it may be. But with deer, um, we have this thing, it's, it's tagged before you drag. So, uh, you know, used to, you shoot a deer loaded up in the bed of the truck and you could, you had, I think, uh, 12 or 24 hours to tag it in. Now, uh, you, you're supposed to tag it in before you move the animal whatsoever. Uh, so I, I just keep it safe. And I, as soon as I shoot my bird, I, you know, I tag it in before I even head to the truck. So, the uh, the electronic tag is pretty nice because, uh, like I said, we started probably hunting in Tennessee about 15 years ago, maybe somewhere around in there, and you had to go to a check station every time. And you know, my friends and myself, we would all go together, and you know, it's like a 30 minute drive back to the check station. So if you killed one, you you had a 30 minute drive to go check him in, and you know, to come back, and you know, it was a lot of hassle. So this is pretty nice. I mean, it's come a long way. So. Yeah, no doubt, for sure. Um, I guess that's pretty much covers all the high points of <clears throat> hunting there. I mean, it's pretty much you can hunt on the eastern part of Tennessee, and you've got big hills, you know, the Smoky Mountains. You know, it's in Tennessee, and then probably over closer to your side of the state. Uh, you know, what is it more agriculture and? Uh, more like that or how how is it where around you where you hunt at uh, yeah or uh you know i'm i'm southern middle tennessee so our, we do have a lot of agriculture around um n- not as much as you would see out you know in uh in the midwest section but we have a lot of rolling hills a, a lot of deep hollers and uh a lot of big mature hardwoods so uh, we we've kind of got uh the perfect mixture of uh, terrain to hunt turkeys in. You know, we've got so you know some of the farms that I have are uh, just solid hardwoods and thickets, and then others are uh, you know split up between giant agriculture fields and uh, mature you know mature oaks and stuff. But uh, I, I like to think we've we've got some of the best 
turkey terrain there is that that I've experienced hunting uh, in the few states that I've been to. Yeah, so you've you've kind of got a, the best of both worlds. You've got uh, agriculture and rolling hills. So that's I always like to get right in the middle. You know, have a little bit of everything. That's pretty. You know, yeah. Pick up, so. Another thing, I don't. You know, I'm not super familiar with the the terrain in Kentucky, but we have uh, creeks and streams and uh, rivers just all over the place. So. Uh, you know, turkeys tend to like to, to roost near a body of water over water. So uh, anytime I can pick up a piece of property that's got a, a decent creek running through it and stuff, uh, that, that's a good sign. It's it's going to be decent for turkey roosting, you know. That's always a good place to start, isn't it? Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, Matt, do you have anything else that you want to mention? or? No, I'm I'm ready to go down and hunt Tennessee this year. For sure, absolutely. <laughs> yep. When's that going to yep. get here? <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt's going to come down, and we're going to come down and uh, hunt on opening weekend of uh, Tennessee season this year. So, I'm, I am. We've hunted together. Yeah, and I'm curious when you're talking about uh, Tennessee's opening weekend, the same as Kentucky. I'm curious to see next year what the stats look like on the harvest report and then license sold. <clears throat> to see um, how much of a contrast there is between 2022 versus 2023 because a person's got to expect since Tennessee's not opening up all by themselves and kind of on their own island to draw everybody in, it's it's splitting that with Kentucky and the other states that's opened up. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing if that's made a big uh, big change. Yeah, yeah I, I I think that their their goal was uh, they said that like I forget the percentages, but a big majority of the breeding uh, happens in the early part of the season, specifically that you know that first couple weeks of season, and that's that's also when you know the majority of your turkeys get killed um, is is the earlier part of season. So uh, by pushing the season back two weeks in Tennessee. Um, I, I guess they were trying to maybe allow more more of the uh, breeding to take place. So hopefully that would increase the population because at this point I think they're just you know trying everything because uh, you know something has certainly happened to to our turkey population around here. It's it's not in a good shape. Well, I, I don't know what the answer is to fix it, and uh, you know everybody says the same thing. You know I don't know if there's one thing that you can do to fix it, but uh, I do commend them for trying to adjust and make uh, changes. You know, they are concerned about it. You can tell they've lowered the bag limit, changed the season dates. So, that you know, as long, you know, they're trying to <clears throat> help. So, you know, that means a lot to us hunters. You know, we're concerned. And when we see states doing this, it, it makes you feel good. So, um, so hopefully, hopefully it all works out. I, you know, I've had so I've had a lot of fun down in Tennessee hunting over the years, and I I hope we can continue to keep going down there and hunting. And uh, uh, so I hope it all works out. But um, Preston, it, you know, as far as somebody wanting to get a hold of you for your uh, if they bought a new turkey gun and uh, wanting to make some modifications to it, may, hopefully this show tonight is. Uh, helped them you know to understand more 
what they could do to it to improve it, uh, customize it more for them. What What is the best way for them to get a hold of you as far as contacts? Uh, and, uh, you know, what's, what would be a good uh, process for them to get that started? Um, for the most part, uh, Facebook seems to be uh, where most people reach out to me. Um, it's Preston Vanderford Iron Horse Gunworks. Uh, uh, all, all one name there on Facebook. Uh, that that's probably the quickest way to get a hold to me. Um, uh, that or you can you know you can get on my website and get my uh, my shop phone number and, and reach out you know that way. Um, so that yeah, those are those are probably the two best ways to go about it. You know, email as well, but I, I don't check my email every single day. So uh, you know, it may it may be a couple of days before I got back to you on the email uh, side of things. Okay, well that sounds good, uh, man. I really appreciate you coming on here. I, I've enjoyed talking to you, and I hope this has you know helped other people kind of learn more about what what they can do to their turkey guns and get i know everybody's thinking about turkeys right now and getting all their equipment out and you know everybody's thinking about guns and so uh this right now is probably the perfect time to talk about this and yeah uh, absolutely <clears throat> yeah yeah absolutely preston thank you so much you're a, obviously a very busy person just with your job alone so the time you've taken to come on and talk and you know, the information that you've given and ways to go about things with your shotgun and everybody wants to try to be more efficient. So um, a lot of great advice. And it was really cool uh, getting to talk to you and hear about you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for uh, for allowing me to get on here and talk a little bit about what I do and my business and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, ho- hopefully it answered some questions for for people that, that are curious about the, the process and uh, maybe had some of these these same questions that they were wanting to ask. Uh, maybe I answered those. So, yeah. When when this gets out for people to listen to it, hopefully you. I don't know if you would be good or bad. You may go from having three hundred guns on the wall to to six hundred. So. It, yeah. Well, in that case, uh, I'm gonna have some job openings. So. <laughs> we uh we take we we accept kickback on sponsorships and things like that i hear you i hear you (laughs) no preston again thank you so much man and and it was it was great talking to you yeah yeah thank y'all and best of luck to you this season and uh, keep us updated on how your how your uh, u.s slams going yeah you guys too when y'all uh when y'all get down in tennessee uh give me a holler if y'all don't have any luck uh, we'll we'll get on some sounds good man appreciate you Thank you, Preston. Appreciate it, man. Thank y'all. Well, Billy, as we expected, our guest, Preston from Iron Horse, just an outstanding guest, a wealth of knowledge, and, and a lot of things that he talked about that, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and, and the things that he had to say and his topics, I mean, that's something that I don't hear about a lot, very often at all, and... Um, I'm hoping everybody else that listens to this can uh, find the benefits like that we did. Yeah. I think it's kind of a, what a coincidence that we talked to him uh, today and I get my gun the same day we're talking to him. I mean, it came in the mail this morning. So uh, it's kind of cool to receive my gun, have it here in my hand and talk to him about what he did to it. And, um, 
man, I tell you, he, he did an outstanding job and uh, couldn't ask for uh, anything more. Yeah, and the, the machine work that he did on your gun with the chopping the barrel and all the stuff internally and springs, and then his brother who did the uh, graphics, the engraving. I mean, I, you sent me some pictures of that, and um, whether you put those out there for people to see or not, that all turned out just fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I actually had a post uh, last year to asking people about gun choices and getting, you know, a lot of people gave me a lot of good feedback. And uh, so I, I would, I'm going to probably follow up with another post uh, with what my final choice was, what I chose. And, um, and I'll have pictures of all the modifications that Preston and his brother did to it. And uh, yeah, we'll, that, that'd be a good post to follow up with the, uh, uh, follow up from the first one so and the fact that he says he has the amount of guns on his wall and then the cases of of firearms that come in i could not imagine having all that sitting in front of me and and just saying man i've i've, I've got to get all this done at some point in time that would be overwhelming well I mean, that's a good problem to have. I mean, you know, it's better than the uh, alternative, not having to have oh, no enough, doubt. But, no doubt. I mean, you know, it would stress me out about turkey season because when turkey season comes around, I mean, I'm ready to start putting stuff aside and going hunting. And yeah, if for I sure. Had, you know, that's the, he's got a pretty good workload. I'm sure he's pumping them out as fast as he can and uh, – you know, but yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it just goes to show you the quality of work he does, uh, that that's why he has so many. So, yeah. And, and you got to realize too, I mean, he's got to be good at his craft, which he obviously is when he gets that amount of work in and he pumps it back out to people and, and they're just extremely satisfied. You know, Hunter told us last week that he went through like with a magnifying glass, uh, just trying to find any mistakes and he couldn't find anything, you know, and you got Dave Owens who's sending his there and is a, a consistent customer. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff there and it's going to be nice in the future to reach out to him with any questions that he might be able to help out with. So just a great guest. Yeah. And that, that was a good one for you to bring on Billy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad he, uh, he came on here and, you know, like I said, it's perfect timing. I mean, here we are a couple months from turkey season. So uh, I don't know if I, you know, it's cutting it close to do very much work this year, but it might be something you want to keep in mind and uh, definitely talk to him about and uh, make some modifications for the next season. So, yeah, no doubt. I'd be getting a hold of him ASAP if you're, uh, if you're wanting to get it back for the season or once the season ends. And it's kind of gets off your mind if that ever does happen. Get it to him then also, and and he can probably get it done a little bit quicker. But yeah, just a great guest and just another uh, another home run man. We just keep uh, we keep coming across a lot of good good people to have on the show, and we're we're definitely thankful for that. And we're also thankful for all the listeners that have been reaching back out and have enjoyed the podcast and saying that they've they've enjoyed listening to it going to work or whatnot and the guests have been great so you know i'm already looking forward to next week yeah we've had a lot of a uh, lot of messages and uh, comments uh on the podcast everybody seems to enjoying it and um you know if you've got any questions for uh 
Preston, or if you have any suggestions for the podcast or you want to uh, send us some guests that you might uh, think would be a good guest on here, uh, send us those messages in Facebook or on the email, and we will do our best to uh, answer them, get the guest on here, and uh, just whatever we can do to make it better. Uh, that's what we're here for, just to talk, talk turkey and uh, maybe hopefully learn something from this. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Turkey Hunting USA podcast. We would appreciate it if you could leave a rating and write a review. Be sure to subscribe to the Turkey Hunting USA podcast and website and like us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on news and product releases.